1: to challenge you with a series of questions to help you understand how your team is performing. It's free and only takes a few minutes to complete. If you'd like to know more, you can check out our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. Welcome to the Great Coaches Podcast. To me, being perfect is not about that scoreboard out there.
0: This is a chance of life. life When you can understand the person, you can then work towards a common goal.
1: We are all on the same team. Know your role and do it to the best of your ability. Focus on the fundamentals. We've gone over time and time again.
0: Your defense has got to be better. Leave no doubt tonight great moments are born
1: from great opportunity. My name is Paul Barnett, and you are listening to The Great Coaches Podcast, where we explore leadership through the lens of high-performance sport by interviewing great coaches from around the world to try and find ideas to help all of us lead our teams better. Our great coach on this episode is American basketball coach, Michelle Clark Hurd. Michelle is a Louisville native and played basketball at Western Kentucky from 1986, she was part of four NCAA teams. In 2005, she was appointed head coach at Kentucky State before becoming the head coach for her alma mater, Western Kentucky, in 2012, and over the next six years, she won 77% of all games. In 2015 and 2017, she was an assistant for USA teams, and in 2018, she became the head coach of Cincinnati University in the American Athletic Conference. Michelle is a coach with a relentless focus on self-evaluation by, as she says, looking in the mirror first before she gives feedback to others. She also believes in the primary importance of care for yourself as a leader and for the people in your organisation. There are many powerful moments in this interview, and the key points that resonated with me afterwards were how the belief you get from your mentors helps counter your own self-doubt and develop you as a person. How to be a successful leader, you have to learn that perfection is not the goal, and sometimes you learn most through failure, and the importance of self-love in allowing you to be the best that you can be every day. This was a wonderful conversation, and I hope you enjoyed as much as Jim and I did.
0: The Great Coaches
1: Podcast. Coach Hurd, good evening, or rather, good morning where you are, and welcome to The Great Coaches Podcast.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Well, we're very excited to talk a little bit of basketball, particularly now with the NBA Finals on. But could I start with something really quite simple? Could you just tell us where you are in the world and what you've been up to so far today?
0: Yes, definitely. Now here in Cincinnati, Ohio, and we are just really excited. Our girls are about to come back to school for summer school. They've been off for probably four to five weeks Got that break after, you know, this unprecedented season and year. And it's just really exciting to kind of be back in this situation. And I'm looking forward to all the new ones. We we, we got a lot of new and a lot of old. And it's going to be a great mix and it's going to be a lot of fun. So that's what's going on here. And we're just really excited. The weather was great yesterday, a little rainy and a little cloudy today.
1: Well, well, let's look forward to talking about the season coming, but also exploring a little bit of your background and some of the great lessons you've picked up on leadership along the way. But potentially, I'd like to just start with winding the clock back and talking about some of the great coaches you've actually experienced firsthand. In researching you and preparing for today, I can see that you've worked with Laurie Mm Pertle, of course, Dawn Staley, Jeff Waltz, Paul Sanderford, and I'm sure there's many, many others. But potentially, just an easy question to kick us off
0: what do you think the great
1: coaches do differently?
0: You learn so many different things from so many different coaches. I have to start off definitely with my former coach, Paul Sandiford, who I played for, who, if it wasn't for him, I would not be sitting here in this coaching chair right now. He gave me my first shot. And, And you know, it's really funny. I never really knew when I played for him that when we were hosting recruits, why I was always the student host. So the one that Always make sure that the recruit was was good and had what she wanted to eat. We were able to do what she wanted to do, how we would mix with the team, what we would do. And I really never knew why I was always that person because believe it or not, I'm, I talk a lot now, but I used to be this shy, six foot two young lady that never talked. I know, shake your head, everybody, nobody believes it. I tell my players that right now, they say, No way, coach. I said, I know. It's so true. But it also shows you what leadership and coaching. And people that believe in you, how that can help you blossom into the person that you're supposed to be. And that's what Paul Sandefur did for me. So he allowed me to be able to come and work for him at the University of Nebraska. Started out as a graduate assistant slash film coordinator slash everything you do as a grad assistant when you first get in. Then that next year, I got promoted to assistant coach. I just absolutely loved it. The relationships, just being with the girls and just watching them blossom. Being there when they was asking me questions about Coach, what does Coach mean, and why is he acting this way? And I'm like, oh, you know, eventually you'll get it. But let me tell you why. I had to start with him because he definitely is one of my biggest role models and mentors, and because he just believed so much in uh, you know this 16 year old shy young lady who he brought to Bowling Green, Kentucky, to play at Western. Jeff Walls and I, we had a great experience at Nebraska. His sister played and for Coach Sandford and and Jeff. Worked at Western Kentucky and then moved on to with Coach Sanford at Nebraska. So we just had a great connection. We had that Kentucky connection. He's from Kentucky. I'm from Kentucky. And there's Paul Sanford that we just adore and, and just love so much. So working for him at the University of Louisville was incredible. Uh, being able to go to a Final Four and just be a part of all of that and being a part of building what they are so doing, amazing job now. Having success and having great players that believe in you. Gave me the opportunity to meet Don Staley with USA Basketball. USA Basketball is one of the highest honors that you can have as a coach to be able to be a part of that. And Don Staley has been incredible to me. Uh, Just help always whenever I need anything, have any questions. You know, and I'm just uh, very fortunate to be able to have someone like her in my corner, along with so many other people. I'm just always trying to learn and grow as much as I can. So. And I try to pay that forward too. I try to make sure that I'm there for the younger coaches that get in the profession, that are in the business, because I know they need people that have been in the, the game for a while to be able to help them. So that's a little of the backstory.
1: Can I explore that backstory a little bit
0: Yes, more, you can. Actually,
1: Michelle, because I've got this great quote from you and I'd like to read it to you before I give you the question, actually. And you say, I think it all comes down to your ability to be able to relate to different kids. And I think that you understand that every player is not going to be coached the same. And I see that building those relationships, it allows me to be able to be who I need to be with them. And I was actually quite fascinated by this idea of being who you need to be to fit that person. Mm -hmm. I was wondering if you could just talk a little bit more about this.
0: I've been very fortunate that they say uh, in life, when you really figure out what your gift is, that you should make sure you utilize that gift in a way that really sets forth for you to be not only successful, but for you to be happy in who you are in your life. I'm a people's person. Always have been. After I came out of my shell in college, I love relationships. I love learning about the players, about their families, about what they love and what is a furthers or, And so It's really funny. I never dreamed of myself being a head coach at first because I really thought being an assistant coach was the only way that you could have those type of relationships. But being an assistant coach here at the University of Cincinnati and then going on to be a Division II head coach where I first got my first start, I learned that you can do both. And I I just really said that this is what I'm going to do. This is me and who I am. And so uh, even when players, I would tell them, come to the office or, or as an assistant coach trying to get closer to players and they might have their, this wall up and you're like, so I'm always trying to find a way. Like, it was like a challenge to me. Like, what is it that I can get this person to do that they think that, no, nah, I don't want to do that or I'm not kind we took over at the University of Louisville and I tell people this story all the time. We had a young lady, Candace Bingham, who ended up being a phenomenal player. That had just transferred to University of Louisville from Xavier and she was from Louisville. So when we got there, new staff. So the staff that she signed went went to Arkansas and we came in. She was a very, very tough person to connect with. And so every single day she would be in the gym and she would be shooting. And I would go in the gym and I would just sit there and watch her and we'd talk and she'd talk a little. And I'd tell her, I said, eventually one day I'm gonna break you and you're gonna like start talking. We're going to come to my office. We're going to, nope. She said, no, I I don't think so, coach. So then I started learning a little bit more and learned that her boyfriend played football. So I knew someone that her boyfriend knew and started talking about that conversation. And and, then, you know, I said, okay, I better like back off a little bit. So she, she won't feel like that. Like, oh, coach is just pressing and pressing. So one day I was in the office and this is probably a, maybe after two and a half, three weeks span, and I'm the only coach left in the office. And she was came up and was looking for one Coach Walls, the head coach. She came and he was gone. I said, oh. So I saw she walked by the office. Then she came back, came in. I tell this story all the time. She came in there one time and never left. So she always came back all the time after that. We grew this bond that was incredible. And that's just the story of, of who I am. I feel like that I know that there's always individuals and people sometimes that don't know how to express themselves or they sometimes have a fear of like just wanting to be who they are and I just really love letting people understand and know that it's okay to be different it's okay to have who you are but let's just find that common space where we both can be who we are and I always tell my players all the time I look at myself in the mirror first Uh, you have to be uh, very vulnerable and you have to get them to understand that and just a lot of backstory. so that's where that comes from.
1: I want to talk to you a little bit about the mirror later on, but potentially first you've had an unconventional route as a coach. You started off in a division two school Mm -hmm. before you got to where you are now in a division one school. And then obviously you've helped coach the national team as well, but reflecting on your journey, you said, make sure you know what your goals are and not try to always look at what others are doing. It's so easy to get distracted by comparing ourselves to others though. So what are your top tips on controlling this urge?
0: It's kind of what I go back to, understanding what your why is and what that looks like for you. Everyone's why is different. My why is me being able to give back and be able to give everything I can, no matter where that is. That's why my my route was so unconventional. That's why going to Division Two when I was there, that was the best place that I possibly, that I knew I wanted to be. Making every place the best place. And I always say that to myself all the time it was really hard believe it or not I left division two and Jeff Walls got the job at the University of Louisville after my second year I didn't want to leave because I had promised those young ladies that I was going to be there and we was going to turn this program around and we had went from winning six games to 19 games and we had all these young players and I felt like that I was letting them down so I had to go to my athletic director and she's Someone that I definitely should have uh, mentioned to as a mentor. She right now works at University of Arkansas. She was my athletic director. And I went to her and I said, I have a, a job offer to go back to be an assistant coach at Division I. I want to ultimately be a head coach at Division One. Do you think that my route, I could get to be a Division One head coach at the level that I would like to be from here at a Division II school or to go back to be an assistant on the Division One level? And I'm so grateful for her because she said, give me 24 hours. I'm going to contact some of my colleagues that I know at the division one level, the athletic directors and see what their response would be. So the next day I came back to work and she said, you have to go because, and I don't want to lose you, but I have to, I want to really help you reach your vision and your goal and what that is. She said, they expressed to me that. Being on the Division One level, even as not only the top assistant, but the second assistant and someone that's doing and coaching and scouting and recruiting, all those things, they will look at that person probably a little more heavier than someone on the Division Two level because of the level of talent that you've recruited, the games you've coached in and everything else. And the hardest decision I had to make, but I, I left and I'm so grateful for her. And I go to the University of Louisville and we have tons of success and then I get a chance to go to my alma mater at Western Kentucky. And that was a dream come true. That was my dream job. Let's yeah.
1: talk about Western Kentucky. You get there in 2012 and in your second season, you win the Sunbelt Conference Tournament Championship and you get you secure a place in the NCAA tournament. What were some of the first things you did when you got there that fueled this result?
0: We're going to go back to relationships again. <laughs> One of the best players on that team, I played with her aunt in high school at all-star games and, everything else. And so when I was assistant at the University of Louisville, we recruited her a little bit, but just really thought size wise, probably in the level where we were at at power five was probably going to be a struggle for her to be really good at our level. So that relationship carried over when I became the head coach, she became one of the forefronts to helping me get everybody to understand when I came there, she was really co-signing for me. Great person, great coach, She's going to help us win. She's going to, it really, really helped spark where we could be able to take the program to the next level. And she ended up being All-American, one of the, and the coolest story, her and I ended up wearing the same number. She was number 30 and I was number 30. It it was pretty cool. When we ended up going to the NCAA, we had a, a section in the, in the program where it was her and I, she was in her jersey and I was in my jersey. Back from when I played. They probably had to dust the cobwebs off from the picture they found with me. That's how it all got started. And just getting those players to understand and know, I knew what it was like. I played at at the highest level there and we won a lot of championships. We were in the top 10 my whole time as a player, top 10 in the country. And so it was pretty awesome because not only having her be there to get the players to understand what I was working they understood and knew that I had went through a lot of things and where they were trying to go to. So that's how it all started. And once we got that first one, we were like, we're not turning back. We're not turning back now. We're going to keep going.
1: You didn't turn back at all. In fact, you leave there in 2018 and there's four NCAA appearances in those six years. But what's really interesting is I found a quote from your senior guard, Nakira Goings. And she said, once we got used to her and the practices, it all fell together. And I wanted to ask, what was it about your style that they had to get used to?
0: Well, when it's, it's a good quote, and it's, it really, that was 2018, uh, the senior here at Cincinnati. That was different. They were coming off a really good season when I took over here, had won 19 games. And so we like to get up and down more, press. I say my style is I like to control the defensive end. I like to get freedom on the offensive end. I want to score in transition. We run a motion offense where ball screen, freedom, read, stretch the floor, play inside out. Defensively, I like to change up defenses. We, we Sometimes we'll, we'll go four-court press. Sometimes we're three-quarter press. Sometimes we're half-court and we're changing up in the middle of a play. So all those things, I think that that that's what she really expressed. And to her credit, Nakura was the one that really got us going to where we needed to that first year here. And got us to those 24 wins and the lead eight in the postseason WNIT that first year.
1: Freedom, change, read the floor.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What other values are central to your coaching philosophy?
0: I really just think discipline is always going to be huge. I think that discipline is definitely, as I said earlier, I really focus a lot on the defensive end and the change-up. You have to be very disciplined if you're going to change defenses and you're going to do those things. And that's why I say freedom on offense, because I want them to feel they're having fun playing the game and want to score so they can get right into defense and we can have a chance to score again. So I think that that's one big, uh, and also understanding, I think one of my biggest things that I've learned as I've grown as a head coach is meeting them where they're at, still having expectations, but understanding knowing that my job and the staff's job is to help teach them and get them to where we're trying to go. And I think sometimes that is it's difficult at times because I've been very successful as a head coach. And so you sometimes have to make sure you're being very careful and not putting them in the position of where you think you were or because everything's totally different. And I think there's something that I really can say that I really try to focus a lot on is really taking a look in the mirror after every day even if it's after a practice where we don't do well if it's after a game where we haven't performed at the level before i go back to them and before i talk with them i always come with them about what i could have done better
1: you've talked about this mirror a lot actually michelle in the interviews it comes out a lot and i wanted to talk about being critical actually you, you come across as someone who's very's got strong belief strong values and knows what they want but there must be times when you are too critical on yourself. And in fact, we know that athletes are often too critical on themselves. And how do you stop yourself from getting into paralysis when that happens?
0: You got to have great people around you and surround you with, and my staff. And I'll give definitely a big example of that was this past season. We had a lot of injuries. We not only went through the the pandemic and uh, everything with that and the success for what we normally and what I'm normally used to, as a head coach, it wasn't there. And so I was. I was very hard on myself. I was beating myself up at times. Very strong in my faith, praying a lot, putting a lot of things in perspective. But just had a really strong staff that really understood and knew and saw every single day. I think when there was times when I felt like that I was about to fall, they were there to catch me and help pick me up. And every individual was different in in different ways. And so. I'm really so much. A pre- we grew so much as a staff through that, but they also was really incredible in helping me grow, not only as a coach, but as an individual. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. But i tell you one that as a, as a head coach, it really stands out to me. I would say two. My first championship that you just talked about at, at Western Kentucky, you always remember your first as a head coach. You always remember that. My second one, here at the University of Cincinnati, when the program hadn't been to a championship game in 17 years, and uh, we were down 15 points in the semis, and we came all the way back. That's a memory that I will always have because not only was it about the players, but you speak of Lori Purtle earlier. Lori Purtle, is one of you know all-time winningest coach here. That put the reason why I'm sitting here is because she gave me a chance as an assistant coach, and I saw how great this program could be. Uh, we had a WNBA draft pick. We were in the top 25. I saw that that happened, and I was a part of that. And so, getting that team to the championship, and it hadn't been done in 17 years was something that I will never forget as a coach because Lori Purdle, all the players that played here before, that was for them. And it is something that will always stick with me in my coaching career.
1: I thought your answer might have something to do with self-belief propelling athletes forward.
0: Mm, that, yeah, that's a good one.
1: But this idea, you know, you've talked a lot about relationships. You say you're a relationship coach, and I see it come through in interviews with you all the time. But the end, it must be so draining. To bring this type of caring, this type of energy into work every day, into the role every day, into the team every day, how do you go about sustaining yourself and making sure that you don't deplete your energy?
0: Well, first off, I think it's self-love. Self-love and making sure that you are the best you that you can be every single day. I'm not saying that I'm, I'm going to be perfect every day, but just I think it goes a lot back to my why. I'm very humble in the part in the fact of where I came from and where it all started. And when I think about 12, 13 hour bus rides at Division Two, when I think about having to do everything there and, and and but just to see the joy on all those players' faces and understanding every single day that it didn't matter what level we were at or what we were doing, it was they were doing something they loved to do, and their parents were proud of them and they were becoming amazing young women. I never forget that every day. I never forget my high school coach seeing something in me. I didn't want to play basketball because I was 6'1 and everybody thought I should play. And I was like, that's not what I want to do. That doesn't, I don't know, that doesn't really excite me. But I see that and I still remember those days. I remember those moments of growing up and my high school coach coming into my house and telling my parents that he had only watched me play twice. And he says, if she just really bought into it and really worked really hard, she could go to school free. And I knew my parents couldn't afford that. And uh, so every single day when I wake up and I get up and I work out, everybody has a routine. They do the things they do. I never forget that there's always one player, one person, one recruit, one coach, someone that's looking at me and saying, I wonder how one day I could get to where she's at. So that's how I go. And that's how I become every single day, being grateful and humble and thankful for where I'm at.
1: Michelle, can you teach self-love?
0: I think you, it's not that, I don't know if if I can say that you can't teach it. I think you have to be motivated to get better at whatever, in, in whatever situation you feel like you might be down or you might, you have to find a way that what what makes you different and what makes you happy with who you are. I think that's a big, big question. And I think it's a really big question for uh, every a lot of people in the world, but especially our young people today. There is a lot that goes on. And I think that that's something, another reason why I cherish every moment I can with every player and in the in the position that I'm in, because Sometimes what can happen is as a coach, we get lost in the, we get lost in the wins and the losses, but our job in that leadership role is to make sure that we're given every, I take it personal in, in every situation. If I can't in the world today, some things just don't work out when you recruit sometimes players and, and, and you might think it's going to be one way and it just doesn't fit. It doesn't fit with who maybe that person thought, or maybe that person gets homesick and they want to move back closer to home, whatever. I take all those things personal. I go back and I say, hey, how can I, what could I have done better? What could I have done different? And I've had to really, that's the thing we were talking about earlier about as an athlete and even I feel like as a successful leader, sometimes we want to beat ourselves up and we want to think that everything, we have to do everything Perfect, or it has to be that way. And, and it doesn't. You actually learn more sometimes from failing. In
1: 2018, you move back, you move across to the University of Cincinnati. By now, you've got all this learning behind you. You've got 13 hour bus trips behind you. You've got Division II schools. You've got a successful run in the Division I school. And in that first season, 20 wins for the first time since 2003. And what I wanted to ask you was was there anything different from between your start at Cincinnati and your start back at Western Kentucky? Did anything change?
0: Yeah, I I think I can. Yeah, I I changed. And what I mean by that is as you grow and as you continue to go through so many different things, you know, my confidence, my ability to know that I was in the right place at the right time, if that makes sense, when I started at Western Kentucky, I was very confident, but I was really Way more excited that that was my alma mater, and that I could give back to them, and 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 for everything that that university did for me. Coming here was totally different. It was a uh, okay. Now I understand, and I know what it looks like to win championships and to get to you know NCAA and not have the firepower, uh, or to have maybe you know just little things like okay, so what does that look like? So the confidence changed. And also, to just the learning aspect of, like, now let's see what I can do at this level, recruiting-wise, everything else. And it was just different. It, uh, and I was, I'm thankful and so grateful that I stayed at West Kentucky as long as I did because it allowed me to walk in here with that confidence. So that is what really changed. You become seasoned. You become more seasoned. I became more seasoned. I became one thing I, I am really working to make sure that I do really do at here and at every year and is an enjoy. I'm very blessed. We talked about it. There was a lot of winning at West Kentucky. You get used, you you get used to that. And sometimes you don't celebrate all the memories. I want to make sure that as I continue and I as I am blessed to be able to do this that I enjoy and celebrate those memories as something that I really want to make sure that I, I do, but that, that is what changed. I became more seasoned. I became more confident. I think I knew by then that I, that what my niche was as a coach, still learning every day, but uh, the way we play defensively, the way we do things, I knew that that was something that would be different in this league. I was very excited about that. Excited about the competition. UConn was in the league at first and everyone is, if you don't get excited about wanting to play the best, then why, why are we doing this?
1: You talked a lot earlier about Laurie Purtle and how influential she was in, on your career. When you now teach and empower your own staff, when you pass that on, mm-hmm. what do you focus on with them?
0: I think the biggest thing is the pay attention. The one thing that Laurie Purtle was impeccable with is paying attention to detail. She was an unbelievable teacher. She taught me how to teach the game. I watched her and and, and, and there was this uh young coach that they came in and, and had worked under her former boss. So I knew basically everything Paul Sanderford was teaching and how he was teaching it. And then I had to come here and learn all over and start like different and think different and be disciplined. I think that's really something I really try to make sure that I pass on to my staff a lot, the pay attention to detail and the belief. And we talk about the success that we had in 2003 and all those, a lot of those players wasn't top 50 players in the country or top whatever. And her and the staff really helped develop them. And I, I really believe not only developing on the court, but developing off the court and helping people understand what their purpose is. I really try to focus a lot with that with my staff.
1: Michelle, if I could take you back to that 16-year-old and introduce you to her, that shy, six-foot-two, oh. 16-year-old, knowing what you know now, what advice would you have for
0: her? I, I think I would. the advice I definitely would have would be be okay with who you are and who God blessed you to be because I, I think the confidence was a bit. That's why we talk about shy. Shy comes from confidence also too and believing. And, and then I would also say to her, to that sixteen-year-old, never set boundaries for yourself or, uh, or the limitations of what you can't do. Because I, I, I struggled, uh, struggled with taking tests. I struggled with a lot of different things as I got through high school and started going, uh, understanding that woo, you better, better learn how to do these things. So if you want to excel more in, in in life, and I think that's one thing I would would say: don't be afraid to live outside of what others think that you possibly could do.
1: Michelle, you've spoken a lot about your influence as a role model and how important that is to you to, to live up to that, that standard that you set yourself and, and perhaps what others expect of you. But maybe my last question would be, what type of legacy would you eventually like to leave as a coach?
0: The biggest thing for me is I would love to be remembered as the coach that really, really cared for, for her players And who gave 110% every single day, win, lose, just brought that passion, that fire, that love for the game. That's what I would love for that legacy to be. Definitely, uh, there's always personal things. I say this a lot to to, uh, my team and to, I wanna get to, I wanna coach, I wanna be a head coach and coach in the Final Four. I I wanna do that. I, I do. I wanna, I wanna take a program that nobody thinks can do it. And I want to do that. And I think that's another big dream of mine, just because I think that was the reason why I'm here also too, as I probably had plenty of opportunities to go other places and power five schools, as people say, but there was something special about here. But that is definitely what I would want my legacy to be, on just who I am as a person and what I gave every single day to my players and to everyone that's around me every day.
1: Would you mind if I challenged you on that? Yeah. We've obviously never met before today, but just listening to you, I get the sense that you're one of these rare individuals who actually grows their self-belief through life. A lot of a lot of people are born with it and then they take it forward in their life. But you, you strike me as someone that was able to grow it, develop it. And I, I don't know how that happened. Maybe it's through just observation and learning and this drive to be better every day, but I think it rubs off on your team and you just referenced it then. You want to take a a program that's not expected to succeed and you want to take them there. So I think there's something about engendering self-belief in others that will probably be something your athletes talk about (laughs) when they're head coaches one day.
0: Well, I tell you what, I that would be very I think that would be something that would be very special because I think you're probably right. That is something that is is inside of me that is very driven that I'm, I'm glad that I've been able to figure that part out and understand it and, and know that that's what makes me and, and helps me be who I am. And uh, this season part, I'm really excited about because it allows me to be comfortable every single day in my skin with that and, and who I am and where I'm at. I've had to grow into that, um, but I'm very grateful for that.
1: I think being comfortable in your own skin Is a wonderful way to end. And so I'd like to thank you, Michelle, for your time. My evening, your morning. It's been wonderful spending a bit of time with you today and hearing about your story.
0: Thank you so much for just investing and really just taking the time to reach out and giving me this opportunity. And I hope that uh, your your people that are listening, that maybe just one thing I said that would spark them to just remember or in any moment uh, to help empower them in any way in leadership.
1: Thank you, Michelle. All the best for the season ahead. Hi, everyone. It's Jim here. You've been listening to our discussion with Michelle Clark Hurd. The key parts of the interview that resonated most with me were her advice around not being afraid to live outside of what others think you're capable of. How she is able to balance care for her athletes by meeting them where they are, with the expectations she has for both the team and their role within it how to be a successful leader, you have to learn that perfection is not the goal. And sometimes you learn more through failure. I hope you enjoyed this as much as Paul and I did. And just before we go, coaches are not usually the type of people who seek the spotlight. So if you can put us in contact with a great coach that you know has a unique story to share, then we would love to hear from you. You can contact us using the details in the show notes.